What if I told you that the average American would rather die than speak in public? Well, according to USA Today, people are more scared of public speaking than death. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Justin Morgan, and welcome to episode 18 of Success HS. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Payne. Hey, guys, it's Mikey here. Today's guest met Michelle Obama, Aisha Curry, and was featured on the official Instagram page, at Instagram, with 275 million followers. And uh, can you remind me of your age again? I'm 16. 16 years old. And that brings us to today's guest, Rhea Kataria. Rhea, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Rhea. I am a 16-year-old high school student in the Bay Area, and... Um, yeah, I got the chance to meet Michelle Obama and Aisha Curry and all these really cool people, and it's really been amazing since. Awesome. And so, first of all, so before we get into meeting Michelle Obama and Aisha Curry, I wanted to talk about just the things you're doing in your high school career. So first of all, you organized a program called Students Rise. Would you like to talk about that? Sure. Um, so in California and in my town, Fremont, uh, teachers aren't very happy right now. They're not getting paid enough. The cost of living is way too high. And they are finally standing up for what they believe in, which is they want better working conditions. They want better benefits and they want, more importantly, better pay. So right now what they've done is enact this sort of protest called work to rule, where they work specifically towards their contract, which means no coming into their classrooms during lunch, no coming in before or after school. They're not grading outside of their designated working hours and they're not helping any clubs writing any recommendation letters, anything of the sort. And Fremont isn't the only place this is happening. It's happening in Oakland and in LA, teachers have already gone on strike. So I saw this, I saw how California wasn't being very accommodating towards its teachers. And I decided to create an organization in California called Students Rise, where we're actually advocating for better working conditions for our teachers. So we were talking a little bit earlier before the podcast. I almost wish we could have recorded that too, because that was a great conversation. But you mentioned you were in the International Congress of Youth Voices, and this had opened up some great opportunities for you, like meeting Michelle and Obama and Aisha Curry, and basically delving into the world of kind of high profile public speaking and activism. A key part of that that we also mentioned was when you met Michelle Obama, they had you sign an NDA, which for those of you who don't know, stands for non-disclosure agreement. Could you explain about that and how that experience was with your self-control and give people an overview of your mindset during the two weeks that you weren't allowed to tell anyone that you were going to speak with Michelle Obama? Okay, not to be dramatic, but those were the worst two weeks of my life. Um, I mean, you can't just not tell people. The only people who knew were my brother and my parents, and we weren't allowed to tell anyone. And people would come up to me and they'd be like, what are you doing this Friday? And I'm like, homework, Netflix. (laughs) Um, Uh. And there was just something bursting inside me where I was like, I'm meeting Michelle Obama. Yeah. Um, It was the worst thing ever. And I think it's the only time I've shown actual self-control. Uh, but probably because there were legal repercussions if I didn't. So, um, if you ever want to really get your self-control down, just sign a contract where someone can sue you if you don't follow it. (laughs) And and on that day, you were finally able to meet Michelle Obama. Can you just walk us through that day? Okay, so, uh, I had to wake up really early. Um, because, you know, if you're going to be on an account that has 275 million followers, you're going to do some makeup. (laughs) Um... (laughs) 
Uh, I live half an hour away from my school, so I woke up at like 5, 5.30, did my makeup, got ready, really. Uh, I was listening to my playlist, which is just called Hype, 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 and I was just really kind of convincing myself. I was like, I deserve to be there. Uh, afterwards, I went to school, um, took a, a push test. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right afterwards, I left for San Jose because, you know, a push has got to come first. Yeah, um, Great first, guys. Yeah. Totally. But I left for San Jose. On the way there, I'm freaking out. Reached there, um, and then there's a two-hour wait before I meet her. And during that time, they're coaching me. They've got the cue cards up. Um, I have a company phone that I'm recording the Instagram stories on. They're testing out the cameras, everything. And before I know it, the door opens and she's there. And oh. just to put this in perspective, she's like 5'10", 5'11", and she has three inch heels on. And so I hug her and I'm looking up at her and my face is almost all the way up. And my mom's with me and she's 5'2". So she's almost like a foot taller than Michelle Obama. Wow. And, you know, I was so nervous. But then I, halfway through the interview, I realized that she's just a mom. Like... My mom and her were the exact same person. <laughs> and later, uh, when I got to introduce her on stage, I was backstage. I was like, we were in this back room and we got some food and snacks and everything. And I saw her come in and without thinking, I was just like, oh, hey, what's up? And then I was like, wait, did I just say, hey, what's up to Michelle Obama? <laughs> <laughs> but like the way she acted, she's a hugger. She made me feel super, like, normal. Just right at home. Like, there was yeah. no awkwardness or anything. Like, obviously, there's going to be initial nervousness, but yeah. it just flowed from there. Yeah, really. It was it was an amazing experience. I'm honestly not fully convinced that it happened. Like, I still feel like was it, it was... a dream? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the thing that I respect the most about the Obamas is they, they they're... Obviously, they're high in power. The form, the, Michelle's husband is the former president of the United <laughs> States, but they, they're really down to earth when you really meet them. I know the Obamas have had dinners with just citizens and just regular yeah. people and just, just have regular conversations with people. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. She was super down to earth. She, like I said, she was just a mom. Yeah. And that's amazing. And, and so I don't know if you guys know, but my favorite basketball player is Steph Curry. You have a signed jersey, right? Oh yeah. I have, I got his autograph on a, on a jersey and he's just, he's been my favorite basketball player since third grade. And so Rhea, you got to meet Aisha Curry. Do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> so, um, I'm backstage and there are a couple, like her family members are there. Some of her publicists are there. Um, the her co-host is there and then someone walks up to me and taps me on the shoulder and they're like hey you're that that 16 year old girl who's introducing her on stage right and I turn around and I'm like yeah and then I'm like oh my god you're Aisha Curry <laughs> and um I was so surprised that honestly the first thing that came out of my mouth was I don't really like watching basketball games <laughs> and <laughs> And afterwards, I was like, I mean, I, I, Golden State Warriors are great. And she's like, don't worry, I don't watch them half the time either. <laughs> and um, it was really cool. She followed me on Instagram. And my brother freaked out about that because he's like, you're following me on Instagram. She's following you. So by extension, she's following me. <laughs> 13-year-old um, boys are interesting. Yeah, yeah. I have a 13-year-old sister. So. Oh, my yeah, God. I yeah. the same. It's, yeah. It was just so cool because you look at these people you idolize them you think wow they have a million followers on instagram they're so accomplished look at the cool things they're doing and then 
they tap you on the shoulder and they ask like you're so cool and i'm like you're aisha curry (laughs) so it's really it's really weird meeting these people in real life and realizing how they're just human yeah it's uh goes on a really important marketing theory which is called the imu theory that i've been listening to and i've heard in a couple other podcasts shout out to charlie jabbily he's been a great inspiration for this podcast and he's a huge supporter of us it basically says that we're all alike and in social media everyone tries to pretend that you're so much different than other people that you're living such a great life when in reality everyone is living the same you should be saying why i live a life that's just like yours yeah honestly that's that's been popping up a lot more for me because i'm getting dms i'm getting comments i'm getting people coming up to me and saying you're such an inspiration you're my role model I, I, sometimes I feel like an imposter because I'm like, you know, I still struggle with my grades. I still freak out sometimes. I'm still studying for finals. I am just like you. I just got lucky. And um, I really think that... that hard, hard work behind that too, but of course. Yeah, but, you know, in a certain extent, stuff like this happening is luck. You know, if I yep. didn't live in close proximity to San Jose, they would have picked another delegate. Or um, if I hadn't been in the right place at the right time, maybe I would have never joined speech in the first place, which has led me to all of these amazing things. So really, it's just remembering that everyone behind the screen is human. Yeah, that's amazing. And then, sorry, but for those who don't know, Aisha Curry is Stephen Curry's wife. <laughs> so, so Aisha Curry hosts uh, food show, uh, food shows, and I mean, yeah, she's just a great, a great woman. And so, okay, moving on to other programs that you've done, you started something called Picket Fence Academy. And as a fellow debater, I or as a fellow speech and debater, I know you're in speech. I'm in debate. But I know that signing up for speech lessons and signing up for debate lessons and joining all these workshops, some of these cost two, anywhere from $500 to $4,000. And I know that's hard. And so with your nonprofit, you kind of combat that. So do you want to talk about it? Yeah, so I started Picket Fence Academy about a year ago. And mainly it was out of this need because, you know, you see these kids who are so afraid of going up in front of a crowd of 10 people who are so afraid in speaking in front of their parents and you think well why doesn't someone give them classes and then you realize that these classes are so so expensive so my friend Roshni and I we started this nonprofit called Picket Fence Academy it's been a year and we finally gotten it registered as a natural nonprofit and what we do is first we started off as speech and debate education so we train kids for tournaments we train kids um, you know to go to these competitions and succeed there but um, Technically, we're not supposed to announce it yet, but Success HS, I'll give you like a preview. Um, We're actually going to be focusing more on the public speaking part of speech and debate. And that means, you know, we'll still be talking about speech and debate, still be going to competitions. But one important thing we're going to do is start building towards uh, making activists and advocates and really using your voice for community change. Because anyone can win a competition, but... It's one thing to win a competition and it's another thing to pass a bill or give a speech in front of an elected representative or something of the sort. Awesome. And so, I mean, it's like you're, you're, you're cultivating the new generation, the next generation of public speakers and advocates. And that's amazing. And speaking of, speaking of public speaking, uh, I just wanted to ask a lot of people out there, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, of the episode, the average American is more scared of of public speaking than death itself. And so I, I wanted to ask you, are there any tips, do you have any tips for people that might be scared of public speaking? Is there a certain mindset? Are there some, is there body language that you should adapt as you go up to the stage? 
Okay, so one thing I want to point out is how many times I've stuttered or stumbled in this podcast itself. Just did it again. Um, And I don't think anyone really cared. At least, I hope not. Um, But that's the main thing you have to remember about public speaking. Is that you can stumble, you can stutter, you can have to back up a couple sentences. But no one cares. You're getting a message out there. And as long as your message is impactful and as long as you make sense, no one's going to care if you skip a word or if you have to go back a sentence. Uh, More practical tips is, you know, keep your posture up. Uh, Always use your hands above your waist because no one wants to, like, look down at your legs where your hands are just kind of flopping there. Yeah, I actually read a really good tip and I picked it up from an article which was in, you know, TED Talks, which, of course, you're familiar with. Um, the speakers who made 10 times as many hand gestures as people who didn't while they were talking received much higher like audience satisfaction rating. So that's even really important. Talking. Yeah, because public speaking isn't all speaking. It's about captivating, you know? Yeah. And you want to show that you're human and a human doesn't stand there with their arms down by their side and, you know, just talk in a monotone voice. So don't be scared to be human. That's the main thing about public speaking. Humans mess up. Humans use their arms. Humans say weird things sometimes, but humans listen to other humans. And that's the most important part about public speaking. Yeah, thank you for that. And, and so before I go into the next question, I just wanted to ask you, how many followers have you racked up on Instagram? Um, Today, I woke up this morning, checked my Instagram, which has become a daily thing just because it's really cool. Um, 20K. Actually, I think I just hit 20.1, so that's 20, pretty cool. 20,000 followers. And so... With 20,000 followers, I mean, obviously you've created a following for yourself. And with, as an activist, you probably, I mean, you have followers and you've made a name for yourself. And so I just wanted to ask you, through all this success and through gaining all of this support, gaining supporters and possibly constituents if you get into politics, how do you stay humble and how do you, how do you be down to earth with yourself and with others as you continue to grow in your name for yourself? Well, like I said earlier, there's a lot of people who are like, you're my role model, you're my inspiration. And then I'll put down my phone and I'll look at my math homework and be like, I don't understand Mm pre-calculus. So it's really putting things in perspective, realizing that life doesn't live behind a screen. Um, You know, people can have a million followers, people can be Twitter famous, they can go viral. But in the end, you know, they'll fight with their parents sometimes, they'll have to get help in school sometimes, Um, they'll stress about tests and they'll stress about college and everyone seems to think that what's behind the screen is reality, but really it's, it's more of what's outside the screen. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, sorry guys, that's all the time for the actual interview part we have. But now we're going to go into our favorite segment, Mikey's Three Questions. So Mikey, would you like to kick that off? Sure. So my first question for you is, Ria, how has a purchase of less than $100, like a game or a toy or a study tool or anything, helped you within the last six months? Oh, that's a good question. Um, This isn't necessarily necessarily helping, but it's something that I've been addicted to. The Sims was on sale, The Sims 4. And, dude, I've been addicted to that. Um, You know, I have finals to study for. I have (laughs) work to do. I have homework to do. I have to write a speech for a tournament coming up in a week. But, really, all I've been doing is playing The Sims. So, (laughs) definitely not a regret. (laughs) Okay, that's really funny. And, you know, video games are a good distraction. So, totally understand how people can get locked into that cycle. For my second question, it's, 
How has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for a future success? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to be completely candid. I suffer from depression. And, you know, um, there's a lot of stigma behind it. Uh, you know, I'm sad all the time or stuff like that. But really, you know, I, I'm not embracing it because that's the wrong way to put it. But I'm recognizing it. And I'm actually using that in my advocacy and activism and trying to erase the stigma around it. Being like, you know the world will beat you down sometimes that you got to get up. And I think that idea of being able to get back up has really helped me a lot. And I've learned that from one of these apparent failures, I guess. Yeah. Thank you so much for just having the courage to share that with us. And also in some future episodes, guys, we're going to be doing some more ones highlighting mental illness, and we're probably going to drop a special bonus episode for finals. So keep it locked for my final question. What's your favorite pet or breed of dog? I just said breed dog because I like dogs, and I don't know if you like dogs, but... Okay, dogs are the best, so write that down. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Uh, corgis. I, I know that's so basic of me, but I just love corgis. I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine recently, and there's that one dog in their cheddar who is a corgi, and I just... I love dogs. I love corgis. Honestly, any dog. Cats are a close second. Um, I really relate to them. They act like they're super unaffected, but you know they want attention, and I really feel that. All right, guys, so just to wrap up this episode, thank you, Rhea, for sharing your amazing story. Thank you for and, having uh, me here. Yeah, totally, and just thanks for having the courage to just be real with us and down to earth. And uh, not that you need it, but would you like to shout out your social media? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me on Instagram at Rhea Kataria X, R-I-Y-A-K-A-T-A-R-I-A-X, because... I wanted to at Rio Kataria, but some lady who hasn't used Instagram in four years has taken that username. Nice. And you guys know you can follow me at justin.morgan11. For me, it's Mikey underscore painbrain. For this podcast itself, it's success.hs. We'll have the post about this episode up, and you can check out some of the links to Rhea's work and some of her organizations like Picket Fence. We'll have that on the caption. And also on her account, she'll post some advertising about the actual episode itself and thanks so much for the support guys we're at 1.3 thousand downloads so far in the last month we got 980 downloads alone and our newly launched youtube channel has 50 subscribers too so we'll keep on trying to upload that justin anything else to finish it off yeah so thank you guys for tuning in for episode 18 we're almost at episode 20 guys so that's a great milestone and just tune in for episode 19 thank you rio thanks see you guys peace